Hi everyone, welcome to our second episode of the Royal Tale Podcast. This is Carissa. Um, by day, I'm actually an employee uh, engagement coach. And um, on the side, I actually dabble in a little bit of dog training. It's actually one of my passions. And so that's what I do. Uh, I build uh, a team at home with my own rescue mongrel named Lady May. And so through this podcast, we hope that you can actually gain some insights about how we can actually keep our dogs engaged um, from you know, the time that we have them right down to the day that they breathe their last. And so for our second episode, what I really want to share with uh, all of us is about experience, this word experience. Um, now, when we think about experience, we always think about, you know, like specific uh, things or specific like, um, you know, situations or scenarios that we want to share with our dogs. Um, but I want to present to you a different um, understanding of what experience really means. So I want to take it from, uh, I want to take this understanding from uh, Gallup's um, uh, I mean, because I'm a Gallup coach, so I want to take this understanding from how do you build an experience for your dog, like how I help people build an employee experience uh, for their team. So one of the first things that we want to really look at is that's key about experience is basically the definition. Now, um, when I'm talking to uh, my corporate clients, so what I really, how I explain it to them is experience is basically a, a journey um, that an employee takes with um, a particular organization. So it includes interactions that happen along the life cycle. It includes the experiences that involves, um, you know, the employee's role, um, their workplace, their manager, and their well-being. So if we translate that into, um, you know, into our human-dog relationship, then, you know, one of the good questions that we can ask ourselves is, you know, what kind of a human-dog relationship experience do I want my dog to, you know, encounter? Um, you know, what is the journey going to be like with my dog? And so when I, had, when I first um, adopted Lady May, um, that was something really, you know, large on my mind. Um, I, I didn't just want to, you know, raise her, um, you know, without, you know, without being very purposeful. Um, I mean, I've, oh, she's the seventh dog I've raised, um, you know, in my life. I've had dogs since, you know, I was in my teens. And so I just wanted to really bring out the greatest potential in her. And so one of the things that I looked at is, you know, how would that journey look like? What kind of interactions um, we would want to have, um, you know, along this journey? And then I asked myself, like, what kind of experiences, um, you know, um, I would like her to, you know, encounter, um, you know, and what's her role going to be, you know, what's expected of her. Um, and then I looked at, you know, what kind of a manager I am, you know, to her, you know, am I, am I, you know, what is going to be um, most helpful and also what's going to involve the optimal, you know, learning experience for her and lastly, her well-being. And so, you know, we want to look at all these different you know, aspects of a dog's life. It's because as the dog grows um, and as the dog matures, um, you know, there are going to be different, there are going to be things that we need to change um, in the way we interact with them. I mean, well, Lady is eight and, you know, she's entering her senior years. 
Um, and so, you know, some of the things that, you know, we did um, for her as a puppy, like, you know, setting out a very um, strict structure, um, you know, that actually became, you know, really relaxed along the way. I mean, just because, you know, she, she's, you know, she's matured. Um, she's now a very solid dog. You know, she's very well balanced, um, you know, and so those structures have already become, you know, her lifestyle. Um, you know, so one of the first things that I, I think a lot of us, you know, um, as dog owners really get into is um, dog training methods. And I think, you know, we tend to overthink this process, um, you know, so we have to recognize that dog, the methodology that we approach for our dog is really what we call a process. So, you know, that dog in dog training, right, there are many, many different processes to train a dog. Um, there's no one process, you know, that is you know, should, that should be employed to all dogs, okay? Because firstly, every in every household, basically when a dog and a handler comes together, we are one team. So there is a dog and there is a human being. And therefore, um, it's really not viable or not um, realistic to actually, you know, prescribe a definition definitive process um, you know for every human dog relationship instead can I suggest to you that instead of thinking about you know what methodology of dog training you should employ um, why don't you focus on the experience um, the, the dog experience you know what is going to be you know optimal for your dog you know um, so so one of the very very few very first things you know um, I, I looked at for lady was, you know, what kind of a dog is she, you know, um, you know, what motivates her, you know, what fuels her, what drives her, what, what makes her come alive, um, you know, what kind of experiences make her, you know, want to do more stuff for me, um, you know, and, and, and how do I actually get her to be motivated on, um, you know, um, without, you know, any form of like treats or toys, um, you know, because I want to grow my own value with her. I want to make her, you know, I want her to know that I'm more valuable than any of these, you know, external rewards. Um, and so I was trying to tap into her intrinsic, you know, motivations. And I was, and at the same time, you know, I was also, you know, digging out of, you know, all the, the potentials in her, you know, um, what are the good, you know, what are the things that she's really, really good at? Um, you know, so for starters, you know, when Lady was a young puppy, um, I noticed that she was actually very patient. Um, you know, she could really wait. I mean, if you, if you made her, um, you know, sit and wait for her food or wait for anything, you know, she could really wait it out. I mean, that was really, you know, easy for her to do. Um, you know, she didn't really, you know, I mean, she was really very, I mean, she, so I hate to use this word, um, just because you know people tend to slam it in the dog, in the dog community world. Um, you know she wasn't compliant, but she was just naturally good at just, you know, waiting. So her impulse control was, you know, was something that I didn't have to work on, but I just needed to reinforce, and I just needed to, you know, let her know that she was doing a great job. Okay, so the first thing, you know, we want to look at as a, you know, as a dog owner or a dog parent or, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, um, you know, I'm not big on terminology because, you know, everyone has, you know, different expectations about their dog. Um, but I think the most important is, 
you know, what kind of a journey or what kind of an experience are we creating, um, you know, for our pet? Okay, and and I want to just suggest, so I, I just want to remind us that, you know, don't focus so much on the process, but focus on the experience. So focus on the journey, um, you know, and 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 the process, right? I'm not saying that we don't, that the process isn't important. The process is important to help us, you know, achieve that journey. Um, you know, but I think oftentimes as Singaporeans, we tend to look so much at the process that we, you know, that we forget to really, you know, and enjoy the moment, so to speak, right? And then we get into, you know, this nitty gritties about, you know, like whether we want to do purely positive or whether we want to do like, like balance training. I mean, really, dog training is more than just methods, okay? Because it's it's a learning journey for our dogs and our dogs will grow, our dogs will mature. And you know they will they will need to learn and and you know and grow, um, and the way we teach them and the way you know that we approach to teaching has to also fit, um, you know their maturity and their growth. Okay, so point number one, um, that was focus on the experience and less on the process. All right, um, and then you know the other thing, and that's when our engagement comes in. So when we start to engage our dogs, and if you if you want to know what that is, you can listen to um, episode one. When we start to engage our dogs, now that is when we begin to ask, you know, very critical questions. Um, you know, like the one that I covered in episode one about expectations. Um, you know, do our dogs, you know, understand, you know, what is expected of them, um, you know, in terms of our home environment. When I talk about when do our dogs know what is expected of them, I'm not talking about obedience training. I'm talking about lifestyle training. Can our dog experience life with us? Now, if our dogs aren't able to experience life with us, um, you know, then um, that's going to be your point, you know, your, your milestone to say, all right, you know, I need to hire a trainer for myself, okay? So that's, that's the first thing I will look at. And then the second thing I will look at in terms of engagement would be, now, um, if we look at the employees, um, we will look at the workspace. So we want to, you know, create a conducive workspace. And so if we want to translate that to dogs, then I would say, are we, you know, giving a very conducive learning environment for the dog? Okay. So is that going to be, and, and that's really dog to dog, and that's also, you know, human to human. And the dog and human team, when they're being put together, there's so many nuances and there's so many things to consider that, you know, I won't be able to um, talk about in just one podcast episode. Okay, so just generally, um, one of the good questions that you can ask yourself about, you know, about your dog's learning journey is, um, am I building a conducive environment for my dog to learn? Or am I, you know, that overprotective, you know, helicopter um, parent, you know, that I need to dictate everything my dog needs to do okay so i think you know we tend to you know be dog owners tend to be on very opposite ends of the spectrum so what i'm just saying is that you know when it comes to a conducive learning environment um we shouldn't be too permissive and we also shouldn't dictate um you know what our dogs should be doing so one of the examples i can give you about you know about over detecting would be um, don't give your dogs a command for everything 
that you expect your dog to do. Okay, give it time to respond back to you, and give it time to you know make that mistake or give it time to you know go through a discovery and an exploratory process um, with you in learning. So one of the things I like to do with um, my dogs is that, you know, when when I first get them, you know, I will, I, I'll, you know, I like to, I don't really have an agenda when I when I take the dog for training, um, in a training session, you know, I don't really have like, like a fixed agenda for that day where you know I need to say, you know, I don't care, you know, by the end of my training session today, my dog needs to be able to, um, to heal. Um, honestly, I don't. I, I mean, I think for some of you that follow me on Instagram and, uh, you know, might see some of my videos and think that, you know, I have, you know, I have a goal for, for all the sessions that I do. Um, really, in, in reality, I really don't. I just usually take the dog out for, you know, whatever. You know, I take the dog for a walk or I'll take the dog out for a drill. And then we just, you know, I'll just do. Um, and I'll see, you know, what the dog is, you know, willing to offer me that day. And that will be, you know, that one lesson, um, you know, that I will, that I will focus on. Um, yes, I also do balance that with um, things that I need to cover for a dog. Um, for example, like impulse control, because that's one of the key foundations um, for a young dog. Okay, so try and balance it. All right. So the second point is, remember to give your dog um, a, a conducive learning environment. Do not be too permissive, um, but yet um, don't be a dictator um, when it comes to training your dog. And then the third thing you know we want to look at in terms of experience is us, um, the handlers, the porins or the owners. Okay, so some of us like to call ourselves porins, some of us like to call ourselves um, you know handlers, and some of us like to call ourselves guardians, or some of us like to call ourselves owners. Regardless of those terminology, um, you know, we have to look at ourselves. So it's important to ask ourselves, you know, what kind of um, leadership style do we have? You know, um, you know, what kind of, um, lead, you know, what kind of, uh, for example, a communication style, you know, we have. And all those things will come into play when we are training our dogs. And all those things will come into play when we are interacting with our dogs, you know. Now, interaction and training are both very different, okay. Now, training means that we, we are, you know, it's a very, it's an intentional time where we want to teach our dog a specific, um, you know, life skill or a specific task. Now, when we talk about interaction, we talk about our day-to-day, -day, you know, life. Um, you know, how our dogs, you know, coexist with us as we live together in the same household, all right. So, when we want to look at our own styles of leadership, I think it's very important for us to know, um, you know, what's our natural makeup, uh, what motivates us, because what motivates us naturally is going to affect our feelings, it is going to affect our thoughts, and it's going to affect our behaviours. And so some of us, right, we, we might, you know, prioritise, you know, relationships over everything else. Some of us are very, you know, facts-based people, and that's why, you know, we have, maybe we have some you know, owners that are advocating, you know, you know, we have to only go by science-based only. If it's not science-based, it's not good dog training. So some of these things that's going out on the Instagram and on other people's posts, right? Um, you know, I get really amused by them as a, as a strength finder coach because, you know, I see certain trends, uh, you know, when I follow someone on Instagram and I hear, um, you know, and I read what they write, 
um, you know, I often ask myself, you know, what kind of talent theme is uh, going out at play here. So um, when we talk about talent theme in StrengthsFinder, we actually talk about um, the strengths of a person, right? Um, so, so, you know, we just want to also take a step back and evaluate ourselves, evaluate our skills, evaluate, you know, our style of leadership and evaluate our self-awareness. Okay, so let me rephrase, uh, let me recap that. Um, you know, the, the, the third thing to consider is actually ourselves, um, you know, and our styles of leadership. And then the fourth thing that we should look into is actually our dog's well-being. Now, our dog's well-being, you know, it's not just about their health. Um, I see many, you know, many dog owners on um, today, uh, you know, the dog world is really very divided. You know, you are, if you're not feeding raw or fresh food, you know, you're a horrible owner or you're not a very good owner because, you know, you're denying your dog of, you know, of what's fresh. Um, so I just want to say that, you know, the dog's well-being is actually um, not just in terms of health. Okay, so when we talk about well-being, we want to look at, you know, the physical health of the dog. Um, we want to look at the mental health of the dog and we want to look at the emotional health of the dog. Um, so physical, it would be, you know, the diet, the dog's nutrition. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, feed our dogs junk. I'm just saying that, you know, we should, um, you know, we shouldn't be pressured to feed our dogs, um, you know, whatever diet because of whatever trends there are out there. Okay. So take time and do your research, you know, don't get pressured by, you know, fellow owners, don't get pressured by, you know, other people, um, you know, make your own deci decisions and don't be afraid to stand up for your own decisions because you know your dog best, you know your lifestyle best, you know, um, and do what really works for you in that sense, okay? Um, and so when we look at physical, we also look at a dog's physical um, well-being in terms of its development um, from puppyhood all the way to, um, you know, the day that it dies, right? Um, so generally in puppyhood, you know, the, in the first year of a dog's life, um, they mature really quickly. And this is, this is something that I think a lot of young dog owners don't, re don't realize because they think that just because their dog is still under a year, it sounds like the dog is a baby. Um, frankly speaking, no. By the time a dog is, comes to one year, um, it's almost equivalent. It's almost like raising a human child from zero to 21 years in a span of a year. Okay, so re realistically, that's how it's going to feel like um, for an owner who actually, you know, gets a dog at two months, um, you know, and raises it in the first year of its life. So when we look at that, when we think about that, then, you know, there are also developmental milestones, um, you know, that comes along with raising a dog um, from puppyhood all the way to its senior years. Um, you know, so for me, a lot of times right now, I'm looking at how I can improve um, you know, ladies, um, you know, mobility because she's eight years old and she's a big dog, um, you know, and so, you know, we all know that big dogs tend to have, um, you know, joint problems, um, you know, and so I'm, I'm researching about how I can help my dog, you know, gain better mobility as she grows older, um, you know, I'm looking at how I can actually keep my dog, um, you know, healthy in terms of weight. Um, you know, recently ladies been, you know, having been battling an overweight problem. 
um you know because she's all she's she's eight right and you know her her <laughs> her metabolism has decreased you know drastically so um this is something you know that I'm thinking about and I'm exploring and I'm researching you know so do things like these that you know are age appropriate for your dog okay and then you know so the second part of um our dog's well-being you know covers that emotional health and this is really very you know this is really um a really tricky part to talk about especially because <laughs> Um, you know, you either get slammed or people either love you. So um, I'm going to put it out here, um, you know, in, in a public realm that um, this is just my point of view, all right? So if you don't agree with me, that's fine. It's really, really okay. I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't hold the Bible in terms of dog, you know, in terms of dog psychology, all right? Um, but for me, uh, my dog's emotional health is important. So I want my dog to be relaxed. I want my dog to be confident. And that was something, you know, I really intentionally built on, um, you know, when I first adopted Lady Me as a puppy, um, you know, so I, I chose her friends, um, you know, I didn't allow her to, you know, associate with dogs that would give her bad habits um, at any one point in her life. Um, and so I was really very choosy about, you know, who she could interact with. Um, and I found that the most helpful because dogs can also, dogs are like human beings in that sense, you know, we can pick up bad habits from the people that we mix around with. Um, and it, it applies to dogs as well. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I looked at in terms of her emotional health was also, you know, how, she, how was she dealing with stress? So I live in Singapore and Singapore is an island city. Um, it's a very condensed city and we don't have a homogeneous population, meaning that we come from a multi-racial, multi-religion um, you know, society and we are encouraged to practice uh, harmony um, you know, among the different religions and races. And so having said that, um, you know, one of the key things that I first looked into for Lady is how would she respond in times of stress? Because Singapore is so condensed, um, and it's so intense to live in, um, you know, it's already stressful for human beings. So I can't imagine how much stressful it is for dogs and especially for a rescue dog like her. Um, you know, so I looked into her emotional health by being very intentional about, you know, building her stress level, building, giving her life skills that would, you know, um, help her deal with stress um, at every stage of her life. Okay, so we want to also think about that. And then lastly, our dog's mental health. Now, our dog's mental health, you know, sometimes, you know, people would just, you know, give us a very blanket advice to say, you know, take your dog out for a walk. You know, if you exercise your dog, you know, it's going to, when it's tired, you know, that's when your know, dog's going to be well behaved. Actually, that's probably the biggest lie because if a dog is physically tired, it's just tired. Okay. Um, so men, when we talk about mental health, we talk about our dog's, you know, intellect. You know, we talk, we talk about, you know, we want to think about our dog's intelligence, right? Now, some dogs are naturally a lot more intelligent. And when we talk about intelligence, I'm not talking about, you know, just one type of intelligence. Now, some dogs are more intelligent in one area than another. So, you know, that's something for us as, you know, human uh, as human handlers or parents 
So really be very intentional about, you know, take time to get to know our dogs. Get to know what kind of intelligence do our dogs possess. Okay, so for me, um, you know, I, I, through my journey, you know, I discovered that Lady was a very uh, purpose-driven dog. You know, so she didn't, she, she derived a lot of her fulfillment, um, you know, by helping, um, you know, people in need, you know, and she enjoyed that. And, you know, she just, you know, her whole, her eyes would just come alive. It was like something lit up in her entire being, um, you know, and I should have picked that up much earlier because, you know, as a four month old puppy, um, when I was walking her one day, the public siren actually the public emergency siren actually went off um, and it was a practice siren um, and lady um, being a puppy at that time you know she just sat in the middle of the road and she howled her lungs out and I just didn't know what to do with her but as she grew you know in in months um, you know she would bark or she would howl and she would come and grab my hand to go um, you know, she, it was as if, you know, she was telling me that I had to go seek for help. And so I think, you know, this was something actually I missed out um, when she was growing up as a puppy. Um, I should have paid more attention to this. Um, but I don't regret, I don't regret this. Um, it's just that it's, it's just some, it's just because, you know, I've never had a dog like her before. I've never had a purpose driven dog, um, you know, so she's my first, um, you know, but Ever since I've had her, I will be a lot more aware about this area. So, um, you know, so these are just some of the things that I can give you ideas to look at, right? And our dogs. Um, so intelligence comes in many, many forms. Now, some dogs are really, really good at doing tricks. Some dogs are very good at doing sports, you know, like obedience sports or, you know, or agility sports. You know, some dogs are really gifted for those things. Um, you know, but lady, she wasn't, you know, I tried some of these and, you know, she just blew me off, actually. I mean, she just, she didn't even care two hoots to try, right? And so I knew that that was something she wasn't interested in. Um, you know, and some dogs are really good at their emotional intelligence. And therefore, we have service dogs or we have therapy dogs, right? Um, you know, and some dogs are just, you know, goofy. You know, they are just there to, you know, make you laugh. Um, you know, so, so... I want to just encourage us to take time, um, you know, to discover our dogs in a way that is, uh, you know, that's objective, okay? That is not through a human lens, uh, you know, but really getting to know our dogs, um, you know, in terms of what makes them intrinsically motivated, you know? So for lady, it's prey. Right, and she loves catching cats. She loves catching birds, um. So we want to use that to encourage them, um. You know, to. We want to use you know what they enjoy, so what they're intrinsically motivated, um. You know, to while we are training them, and that's actually how we build their well being, their mental well being, um. You know, so for when lady was younger. I had to do both the physical exercise and I also had to do all the mental um, exercise, meaning I had to fulfill her um, in terms of, you know, giving her her mental needs. Um, you know, so I had to, to, you know, so I had to become really creative with her, um, you know, and I started a lot of like, you know, I got her to do a lot of like creative problem solving with me. 
um, you know, without telling her what to do, I will give her, you know, like a toy or I'll give us, uh, I'll give, I'll hide something and, you know, make her look for it. Um, you know, that kind of a thing. And she, she totally, like, totally enjoyed those things. Um, and she still enjoys those things. Actually, she enjoys a lot more of the mental work than the physical work uh, these days. Um, and rightly so, I mean, because she's eight. Um, you know, so having re having having covered all the points, I just want to recap it for you. Um, you know, and so these are all the things that we want to look at for um, an experience. So what do we want to look for in terms of, you know, creating, a, you know, a meaningful experience for our dogs? Um, is we want to look at, you know, the kind of interactions that happen, you know, on, in the life cycle of our dog. We want to look at the experiences that we are involving them in, um, you know, on this journey. Um, we want to give them clear expectations. You know, we want to, you know, create um, optimal learning, you know, environments um, and methodologies. Um, we want. We also need to look at our own uh, skill set, our own styles of leadership, and our own styles of communication. And lastly, we need to look at our dog's well being. And by well being, you know, we want to look at. We want to look into their physical, their emotional, and their mental health. So that's it for tonight. Um, I'm signing off. Uh, I'm sorry this second episode took so long to come in. Um, it's been, you know, a really crazy time for, for us here. Um, I think if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that lady recently went for surgery, um, you know, to remove a lump. So uh, I apologize for being a little bit tardy on the, on the podcast. Um, but thank you for listening to me. I really appreciate uh, you giving me, you know, 30 minutes of your time. And, you know, I just want to wish you all the best. Um, and I hope that these insights will um, help you create a, a positive and a very meaningful experience and journey with your dog. Thanks for listening again, guys. Um, until the next time. See you soon. Bye.